You're listening to the Think, Live, Repeat podcast, a place for people who are looking for simple and actionable ways to bring their lives to the next level. I'm your host, John Skomsky, and I want you to get ready for some amazing conversations as we dive deep into the minds of successful people, how they think intentionally and live differently. There's just two simple rules. Change doesn't have to be complicated, and change begins with your mind. You literally possess the power to change the direction of your life. So consider yourself warned. If you're not ready to start growing today, you might just want to turn this off now before it's too late. What's up, Inward Investors? It's another edition of the Think, Live, Repeat podcast. So glad you joined us. And yes, it's another incredible guest today. So this was a fun one because I actually met uh, our guest today through a mutual friend of ours. I uh, was been on his podcast and um, and he's like, you know what, this guy, you got to talk to him. He's got some really cool stuff going on and, and some, some interesting background in that. So has a business in the Big Apple, New York City got that going for him of course he's he's to blame as the listeners know uh myself being from new york everyone assumes who doesn't know new york they just assume that it is only the city there is like six hours the other direction but we don't have to get into that so uh he's from new york city he's got a fantastic landscaping and design business that he's built from the ground up and i would say it's not just built a business but a brand and not just a brand but an awareness of it uh, a specialty and now has moved into various media outlets he's had some Connections even with Grant Cardone and that. And it's, it's just super excited to learn his story and how he got from A to B. So Steve Griggs of Steve Griggs Design, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. Good to be here. Nice intro. Nice intro. Thank you. Thank you. So you know what? Last time I was in New York City was... Uh, 2019. So you can recognize that as like the, one of the few last weeks of normalcy, right? And it was the week between Christmas and New Year's. And I just remember there was just people everywhere, right? Because, you know, leading up to New Year's, they just started putting up blockers for the road and that leading up to New Year's uh, uh, celebration and all that. And that was 2019. And then, you know, eight weeks later, or 10 weeks or whatever it was, you know, the whole world as we know it, New York City became a shell of itself. Like, and you're living much closer than I do to the area. And it was just a surreal thing. I actually haven't been able to get back down there since, but I'm hoping uh, maybe next summer, see a Yankees game or something like that. That'd be a lot of fun. Talk about the design business. So landscaping, right? So, you know, I myself had done some as a teenager, you pick up some extra cash. It sounds like based on your story, that might have even been how it started. But how did you get into landscaping? How did it go from, you know, your teenager making some money and to the to the creation that you've built since then? John, I have snow on the roof, as they call it. Great hair. <laughs> so 40 years I've been doing this, man. It's a long time. So when you look back on it, yeah, I probably have a lot of experience that I, don't, that I don't give myself credit for. I have lots of war stories, lots of good stuff. I mean, basically started out in high school when, you know, you're ready to graduate high school and, you know, now what, right? So I take one of those aptitude tests and it checks all the boxes that I don't need to, I don't work. I don't want to be in an office. Got to be outside, creative. And that's how, the, that's how the ball went wrong. Went to a junior college, studied horticulture and design. Then I transferred to Mississippi State down south and got my landscape architecture degree. Came back home, worked for a guy for a year or so, and I says, I, I gotta figure this out on my own, and that's pretty much it. Started with, you know, basically, as they say, with the wheelbarrow, you know? But um, yeah, man, it's been a, it's been an interesting ride. So, it's, you know, it's interesting. So you got, you actually have a degree in that. Now, is that a, so, 
I mean, typically what's considered a blue collar job, but you've got the white collar credentials to back that up. Is that is that a common? Does that make you a little bit of a nuance in in, in your um, field, as it were? Yeah, I mean, you gotta know like when you do design, you gotta know soil, you gotta know drainage, you gotta know plants, you gotta know the area of the plants that do well, what they don't do well. Um, but it's not like I started, you know, come out of the school and then I work in an office. I work in the field. You know, I've been in the, still in the field. Like, I find that if you design something, you need to really, you know, oversee it to make sure you ensure the integrity of the design. You just can't design something, hand it to a bunch of guys, and expect it to come out the way you vision it. So how did that go? So you're out of college. You start your, your – you, now, did you literally, like, you just incorporated? Like, I'm going to call it Steve Griggs Design and start? Did you start under somebody and then kind of take over? What was that – what were the early years like as you became more than just – a guy with a wheelbarrow. So, so I think when I really look back on when I got out of school, I, I started working for a very high-end pool company, an Italian guy, and I, and, and I learned from him how he worked with the customers. He would bring them the homemade wine, you know, make the cannolis. You know, I saw how customer service was really imperative on how to do the job. And in the winters when I was going to college, my dad used to be a union um, construction worker in New York City, and I would work in the winter for him, freeze my ass off down there. Like, you know, you know, when you're in college, you're out all night, you have to get up and go to work at five in the morning, and I saw the discipline that he had. We had five, you know, growing up with five kids in the family, you have to kind of constantly work. So, but I saw what they did in New York City where there was, they never made excuses. They would work rain, sleet, snow, and there was always meeting deadlines and you always had to meet the budgets and get the job done. So I tried to translate that into the residential side up in the suburbs. So I carried that through up into the suburbs and that's how I still operate today. Because nobody wants to hear you. Nobody wants to hear your stories. The dog ate the homework, the mud. They don't want to hear it. Just get the job done. Straight New York style, right? New York style, baby. That's it, you got man. It. Straight up. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, all right. So you're doing this. You, you you see some of this this work ethic, this inspiration in your dad. Is that? Do you think that influenced watching him? I mean, he's your kid growing up and watching what he's doing. Did that have an influence on yourself and what you kind of went into? Or, or no, no. It was mainly like he worked for a company in New York City, and then when you know back, um, you know there was New York City had some up and down times, and when the when the times were down, he would get laid off. Right, you got five kids, mortgage, and you get laid off. So he had to start a hot dog truck. He had to start a, you know, whatever it took to put food on the table because you had five kids at home, right? Um, and and he's like, oh, you should come to the union with me. You know, it's good benefits and all. And that is not the route I wanted to take. Then no way. Like, if I'm gonna, you know, tell a guy to stay home because there's no work, I'd rather tell it to myself than have some guy. You know, that's probably where the entrepreneurship came in, right? Interesting. So it was almost maybe seeing that and the lack of control, the impact that it had on your dad, your mom, your brothers, sisters, you almost was like, well, hell no. Like, I'm going to, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to control my own Correct. destiny. The so-called security of a paycheck comes with some rather unsecure aspects when they tell yeah, you to go home. There was no, you know, you get laid off and you get have to go on unemployment and all. So I'd rather be, let me control my own destiny, so to speak. Looking back on it now, that's what I, that's how it, 
and not, that's why I thought about it all, looking back on it. So a lot of times when we talk about, uh, when I have business owners on the show, we kind of get into a little bit of the growth. So in other words, how did you grow the business and, and start to gain traction? Entrepreneurship is, a, is a, a concept, a trait that I like to bring out in conversations as much as possible, which is there's kind of two, there's, there's entrepreneurs, what everyone thinks of. You go out and hang your shingle on the, on the door. It's your business, Steve Griggs, John Skomsky, whatever. Then the entrepreneur is someone who doesn't necessarily want to do that, but wants to embody all of the entrepreneurial principles that an entrepreneur does just to do so within an organization. And so, and what I found is a lot of the guests that I've had, those who are business owners have surrounded themselves with intrapreneurs, not just somebody who's looking up, showing up for a paycheck and then checks out and that's it, but who actually brings some of those aspects to the company, elevating it further, taking it to heights you never thought possible. So as you look back on how you actually started to assemble your dream team, as it were, your company, and I'm sure there were ups and downs because there's people involved. But what was what were some of the successes? What were some of the failures? How did you actually grow the company and the team and people you can trust and recount on getting work done and, and then maybe the times it didn't work out? Um, I mean, there was times when we had, you know, 15, 20 guys on staff. You know, then we changed the model a little bit to just designing and overseeing projects. And that enabled me to um, do projects, you know, Sacramento, know, Georgia, all over, more or less spread out a little bit because it's very hard to bring your team to all those places. So you develop a team and then you develop a good infrastructure um, where you can actually go out and execute those projects, right? You know, if you with a good design, it all starts with a good design, and, and being able to relate to the contractors in the field that you can have a relationship with them and they can execute the projects for you. That's pretty much, you know, I've done the digging, I've done it, I've done it all, I've made every freaking mistake, man. Like, like I'm not kidding. Like, you name it, I've done it. Planted trees, laid sod, drove the tractor, like just all of that. Like, it, and looking back now. I wouldn't do that again now. It's good that I know how to do all that because I know how long things take and all, but that's not the way to grow a business. Because in other words, it's still a high pay. It's in, it might be high paying, but it's still a job. Like if you, you go to Europe for a week, there's no Steve, there's no business when you're the integral part, right? Is that kind of, is that the angle? Well, you're you have, I have a, you know, a couple project managers that you try to you know, make the relationship with the client and the project manager to do that because, but they always want to see Steve. They always want Steve. You know, and I find that's a that's a struggle that we're going with now to try to like, you know, have the team brought up to your level where you can delegate some of those high level tasks. But there's still certain things that I need to be, as we call it, boots on the ground, right? Um, that's really it. So when you talk about design, maybe talk a little bit about how do you? All right, so you're dealing in the suburbs of New York City. You're dealing with wealthy people, uh, you know, and and I would guess maybe celebrities, and and I, you probably have some great stories, right? Maybe you put in Bon Jovi's backyard or something. How do you approach? design concepts with someone who maybe has some definite ideas and you're looking at it being like no don't do that like this is gonna ruin your backyard don't do this but they're hell-bent on it like how do you approach that conversation with somebody a good question sometimes um you know as new yorkers they're very headstrong they want things done quickly cheaply and and you know and they want quality right so the old stories you can't have you can have two or you can't have the three um, I, I find it's really helped me out through these years is just being honest 
and just tell them it's not going to work. Like if the, if you're a doctor or something and you're trying to tell me how to uh, design a swimming pool, I just tell you, I don't tell you how to perform knee surgery. And I think it's part of like having that, you have to come off not cocky, but confident. And you kind of have a little bit of a swagger to it in a jokingly way. But I've tell clients that, like, I don't tell you how to do knee surgery. Don't tell me how to pick a pool, right? I, but the main thing is you gotta you listen to that because I, my job is just to to create their vision. I'm their I'm their guide, right? Like I lead them up the mountain. Like I can just my job is to guide them to the best possible way. That's why I'm there. The, the best materials, you know, the most cost effective project, and the engineering, the value engineering. Certain things work, certain things don't. You don't want to use that plant because the deer will eat it all. You know, there's just a vast amount of things that I can help you guide you to the proper project and the maintenance too. They, they pull out these projects from the magazines and they look like, I'm telling you the, the amount of maintenance, you need a full-time gardener for that. So I try to like guide them in a way. So I'm more, more their guide. Helping them right and eliminate decisions along the way. So you're not just, you're not telling them your guy. I like that distinction, guiding them through that. And did you think of this? And did you think of that? And do you also want to hire a gardener? And do you also want to like, you know, you know, look at your bushes shredded by deer, uh, which we've run into ourselves, actually. So what's it like? And the design piece of it, are you having to deal with, like, planning boards, zoning boards? Is that also? All of it. Oh, yeah. So tell me, what is that like in New York? Is it everything you would think of in New Worse. York City dealing with? <laughs> tell me. Give, me. give me a horror story from planning. And I actually was on a – this is a funny story. Is it uh, 21 – was 21? Was I 21, 22? I was on a planning board for two years. I, we, we were in a very, very, very small rural farm country, and I got on as an alternate, and then I was on briefly as a full-time member, and got married and left town and went you know, elsewhere. But anyways, I've had this... I got to see like a gun range go in, probably not in New York City, but out there is a lot of them. Uh, a gas station and a few other things, and I saw a little bit of what was involved, and even the, you know, the headbutting that went on, even in a small thing. So share a story give me so, a story so you know mainly our, our you know when you do work in new york city itself in the in the five boroughs area they had it's very they have it pretty much dialed in there's a big process that goes through they have hundreds of inspectors and the process is better when you get out into the suburbs they're more like it's much more difficult because they're not as um uh, you know familiar with the scenario and the construction end of it and you have to get a permit for taking down the tree like I mean, it just happened. We tried to change a patio with somebody, and I got a stop work order because you have to get a permit to change a patio, right? And they like collecting the fees and all that, but it just it just slows the whole process down, like to a snail space. And since COVID, you know, every when COVID happened, every there was a building boom. Everybody was home, and the town's got an influx of projects, and they're not hiring more people to do it. They're working at the same pace as they normally would, and it would take, you know six months to get a permit i'm going through that right now i'm doing it right now waiting on permitting yeah and it holds it up so is that what happens so that was gonna as you mentioned COVID. so you're you were actually booming through COVID in the sense of you had people had stimulus money to spend and they were stuck home but not necessarily the speed that was being held back by the yeah yeah even though you know they were they're very willing and able it was still the permitting process uh, supply chain was always also an issue um you, you just work through it. You just, you know, again, no excuses, right? You got to just get away, find an alternate material, 
you know, just try to try to work through it all. Where were you? So good, hark back a good 20 years here, but where were you on 9-11? What do you remember oh, about that? I guessed, I, yeah, give me that story. Because I had a guest on from New York City. He was not far, and uh, he recounted that recently, and that's kind of fresh in my mind, even though it's, you know, so I mean, long it ago. Was, you know, it was, you know, man, I, I had two small kids. I mean, you saw it on the news. It's like, holy shit, the thing's falling down. You know, I had clients that lost people in, in there. You know, they lost family members and co-workers and all that was pretty you know i went to a few funerals firemen funerals from that yeah it was a whole it was a weird bizarre time man very strange i mean i remember i was teenager kid i i still remember seeing it on tv like i remember the morning it was so weird because you know that was 20 years ago now yeah i don't have a lot of clear memories like 20 years ago but uh I do of that, how it just shaped culture, mindset since that point, you know, it's really. COVID did the same. COVID was another one of those, one of those monumental events that changed the world, right? You got 9-11, you got COVID, you got a bunch of others, but those are the two that really affected. Um, I remember taking me and my wife drove into Manhattan during COVID, right? Just today, hey, let's go check it out. I did a, did a U-turn in the middle of Times Square. Like, I mean, it was ghost town. Ghost Town. Eerie. Eerie Ghost Town. Yeah, it seems like probably a set out of a movie, right? Like, Because it was Ghost Town everywhere, the early parts. But I got to think, because, you know, you go. And that's where, I, again, when I think of, like, when I was last in New York City, and there was just people everywhere. And then you'd see pictures on the news, and it's like, it's dead. Like, I couldn't fathom what that felt like, because there was just so much noise and people. It was crazy. Yeah. Well, they're all back. They're all back. They're now. all back now. That's good. Good to know. Good, good. How do you find uh, inspiration when your designs? So obviously, and I've looked through your site, you got a great portfolio. I'm looking on these things thinking they're, you know, magazine portfolio worthy types of designs. Really, really impressive stuff. How thank do you, you, thank you, how do you create that? Is it, do you start with a sketch? Do you show up with ideas? Does it come to you? Like what's your creative process? I mean, I've been asked that on, on a lot of podcasts. I mean, basically I'll go there and we'll have a meeting. We kind of just get to know the people, right? Get to know them, right? They got to get to, that's why I'm not a big fan of people that do designs online and never go to this site and meet them online. It's totally different when you're meeting them in person, right? So you get to know them a little bit. You kind of get their vision in there and you kind of, um, you know, feel what they're at. And then you, you got to talk about the money part. The money part's always an interesting conversation because they see all these beautiful things on Instagram and Pinterest, and I really, you know, try to explain them what something like that costs, right? And then the inspiration comes from just listening to them and trying to create their vision for their family. And then I break out a can of spray paint. I break out a can of spray paint. I just spray paint their way. I spray paint out the pool. I spray paint out, and they, they can kind of see it then, right? Because they can't really see it. Oh, that's where we go, and then I then we come back to the office and we do the designs. And then now, when I started, it was always just pen and paper. Now we do more of the 3D renderings. Really helps out a lot now. They, yeah, so they can really get a sense of you know what it's going to look like. So in a very rudimentary sense, you 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 I don't want to say you buy and sell, but you uh, are a purveyor of vision in that regard. And I have a good friend of mine. Like that. Yeah, there you go. It's free, but. Uh, Ken Rusk, he's author of uh, Wall Street Journal bestseller, Blue Collar Cash. He's uh, got a big construction company over in Toledo, Ohio, waterproofing and that. He's a good friend of mine. I've had him on podcasts a couple of times. But in his book, he talks a lot, a ton about vision. 
and how ultimately that is so integral and it's funny because it takes it i mean we're talking and you know designing a pool and, and and patio and venue and all that but even down to like life like your business your life your relationship your kids as parents the aspect of being able to see even if it's fuzzy even if it's paint on the ground what the next steps could be or at least the direction to go towards how much more impactful that is than just kind of going like yeah i think i'll put that there that seems good there don't crack out the spade paint there's no lines there's no 3d renderings the intentionality of vision i think is so so much more important well you try to paint the vision through words right if you don't have all those you know if you don't have the spray paint you don't have anything you just you got to paint the picture right you know you paint the picture verbally right and then they can kind of see, you know, once you understand them and you get ask a lot of questions, then you can kind of, the vision kind of just comes to you. It, I don't know. I've been doing this so long. I can, it really just comes, it comes to you. Maybe in the shower, maybe this, maybe, what you know, you got to think about logistically, can I get a pool here? Can I get, you know, can this all work? How, so... All right. With then, with regard to the design aspects in that, so obviously, then you you mentioned like they go see they see something on Instagram. It looks amazing. I don't know. It's Kevin Hart's backyard, whatever. And they're like, "Wow, this this is what we want." How do you have the money discussion with them? Because I got to think you're dealing with affluent people, but right. So they have money, but they don't have an infinite supply. And equally, they want a good deal. And like you said, they want it fast. They want it cheap and they want high quality. They want all three. They want their cake and eat it too. How do you walk through the value conversation with them and the cost and all of that and help them have a better understanding of it? So one of the topics in the book is do it once, do it right. Right. Like, you know, I can give you this type of product. It's going to be cheaper the price is cheaper, but it's going to cost you more because I got to come back every year and I got to, I got to seal it. I got to do whatever. So each year you're going to be spending that money. I'd rather give you something that costs a little more upfront that's going to last because nobody likes maintenance. I, I don't. I have a house. I can't stand maintenance. You know, try to find products that's low maintenance, durable, will last a long time, can handle the New York weathers, the winters, because they'll show me stuff from California and Florida. I just tell them that stamped concrete doesn't work in New York. It just doesn't work, you know. And then the money topic is is, is always, you know, that is that is a mindset. You want to talk about part of your um, podcast is the mindset, right? Very difficult situation for somebody like me who was brought up blue collar, can't get my head around somebody spending $400,000 in a backyard. Like it took years to get that right so if anything you leave from here it's like you know that was really you know how do you spit those words out right i mean very very mind screws with your head you know because inside you're saying wow this is going to be 400 grand man who the hell is going to spend that on that thing but you got to you know take yourself out of that and that people you know they have money they write a check for that like they're paying their phone bill it's still mind-blowing to this day right I mean, I, I'm sorry, but I'm just being honest here. I can't, you know, it's just amazing. And I, that fascinates me. I always like to know what they do. Like, I'm, I'm always try, I'm trying to learn, like, what do you do? You know, and they're, they come from all different, all different backgrounds. So here's the, so here's an interesting question. I'm curious because as you now that you mentioned this, what do they do? Because so, so I'm a five financial planning practice, and so obviously I get you know carte blanche access to 
the financials. Like that's the whole point. You show up there and I can't be your financial planner if I don't see how much you have. And so I love to know how they built their wealth. What did they do? Was it an inheritance? Was it earned? Was it a mixture of both? So in your case, as you deal with these wealthy people, anecdotally, in your own experience, was it mainly working from the ground up like yourself? Was it inherited? Was it a family business? Like, what's the mix, as it were, of how wealth has been generated with a lot of these people? Wow. Some, some, some are business owners, some are financial planners, some are doctors, some are celebrities. I mean, it's just, you know, it's all, you know, real estate. I do a lot of work for the Orthodox people. Um, a lot of wealth there, you know, just, you know, they just, there's just money everywhere. And it's a, it's a mindset of abundance too. Like, you know, it's helped me, it's helped me expand as well. Cause we, I didn't grow up with that. Like it's, it's foreign to me. You know. So how did you get that? Because you're saying your money anywhere. You, I mean, you're in New York City. You'd be like, oh, sure, he's in New York City. This isn't, you know, like Tulsa, Oklahoma. Of course, there's money everywhere in New York City. But there's a lot of people who are not wealthy in New York City. A lot. There's a lot of people. You know better than I. So how do you see money everywhere where other people don't? What's the... What's the mindset there? How, I mean, how did you learn to see that? I mean, your dad was selling hot dogs. Like you said, you didn't grow up with that. So what, what was that transition? It's still a transition every day when I go to somebody's house and, you know, they, they get funny sometimes, you know, oh, different people come here and they try to see the house and they see the cars and they try to charge us more. I just tell them straight up front, everybody gets treated the same. And I, and I, and I talk to them the same, right? There's no, there's no, because you're this person or that person, you get treated differently. Everybody gets treated the same, period. I don't know if I answered your question, but that's kind of it like does, that. yeah. Well, yeah, because you're looking at it and you're not going at it with dollar signs saying, here, you know, I'm going to, this guy's got the Lambo in the front yard, so we'll we'll put the Lambo tax on it. The extra, we'll just jack it up by 15% because we can. Well, no, no, there was a good quick story. We, we, I picked out a tree for a client. It was $10,000 for a tree. Woo! 10 grand for the tree. It was the centerpiece of the house. The wife loved it. I found it. And he was bitching. And I says, and he was an Irish guy, I swear to God to this day, I said, stop your crying. When you came to this country, you had nothing, okay? So for you to be able to write a $10,000 check for a tree, you should thank yourself. And he laughed, smiled, and he shut up, and then we got the tree. So I still remember that story. That's a good story. I love that. Yeah, the $10,000 tree. Ten, 10 grand. That's just to buy it. it, was all, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I almost said install, but that would that's really not the correct uh, well, you had to get, you know, the tree had yeah, to come from plant. There we go. From, so how to get on a tractor trailer, how to get a crane, and how to come up to the house. It was a whole big to-do. You know, probably cost them 30 to plant it, but it is the centerpiece of that house, right? It's in the circular driveway. It's a big southern magnolia, but it's beautiful. It makes the house. Okay. There's a picture on your site of you and uh, Grant Cardone. How did that? How did that come to be? I mean, that guy's pretty high profile, right? Pretty high profile. I remember when we were on his show. I flew down there, me, my two sons, and my wife, and he was telling my son who's about to go off to college, "Don't go to college. Don't go, stay here. Don't go to college." Um, yeah, interesting guy. Taught me a lot. Taught me a lot. Yeah, he's in the book. Um, mindset is definitely number one for sure. You know, now he's super big now. When I was on there four years ago, now forget it. He's, he's definitely has grown. I was on a, um, a webinar. It was just like a general webinar. And he, he had come on for like an hour, something like, or not even. It was like half an hour. But I was just like, 
I and a friend of mine was talking to me. It's right that same thing. He was on a Bigger Pockets podcast. I don't know, maybe five or ten years. Ago. It was a while ago, and he's since like doubled his net worth, but doubled in like big numbers. And it feels like he gained a lot of traction. But I think, I mean, to the point of being annoying, I think he's figured out how to just hammer the living daylights out of marketing without being without worrying about affecting like you know annoying people. And he just hit at it for a decade or more, twenty years. And then it broke through. Like, is that is that your take on it? From I mean, you know him, obviously, you got to talk to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much, he was, you know, just kept hammering on it. You know, I, I did some advertising with them, like, you know, stuff like that. But um, yeah, just keep hammering on it. So you know, the social media is very big for him. I mean, guy's a billionaire now, right? Whatever. People like him, people hate him, whatever. You try to learn from, you learn good things from everybody, and you move on, right? You take the good and leave the Take the good and leave the rest, or whatever it says. Yeah, take eat the meat, speed out the bones. Yeah, yeah. So, exactly. are your uh, are your sons also in the business with you, or is that no, no? Wife said no way. Wife said no way. Wife said no way. Okay, okay. She, well, she sees me coming home dragging like a cat dragged in at night at eight o'clock at night. You know, it's a hard business. It's construction. Construction is a hard business. How about uh, what's another? I'm trying uh, Doctor Oz, right? Didn't you do his? You put in his pool. Yeah, we did Doctor Oz. Yeah, good guy. Yeah, how'd you? How, I mean, did you, you you all go up for bid? You went up against other people. Yeah, like that. I mean, it was it was a referral. A referral again. You know. Drink the green juice with him. Good guy, solid guy. He's the one who told me actually. Um, I said, Doc, how do you get? How do I blow up? Right. It was Saturday morning. We had a green juice. He said, You got to get published. You got to get published. That was that, that's when it hit me. You got to get published. And you know, he obviously has the TV show and the books and all that. And then for some reason, I met Grant, and that's how we we got the book going and all that. But yeah, the book has helped a lot. Okay, so tell me about the book. Book's title, where, you, like, how? What was the inception of the book? Well, the book is called Straight Dirt. Um, it's a hardcover coffee table book from the publishers. We figured we want something that you can leave customers. That's basically a you know, I mean, it's it's um, you know, it's, it's a nice book. It's a hardcover, you know, hardcover book, you know, big book, you know, that you can you know has pictures of jobs we've done over the years. Um, not a lot of text. People don't like to read. They, they like pictures. Um, and it builds credibility, right? You, you want to hire the guy that wrote the book or some guy that has a truck, right? So we're going to offer the guy that has the book. How do you, and I love that, and actually I was just talking with someone this week, and they're working on putting together a process for business owners to get published through, and this would be more or less not so much picture-based, but, you know, services-based, attorney, real estate, financial planner, that sort of thing. Use it as a retention for current clients. Oh, here's a book. It's 30 pages, 100 pages, whatever it happens to be, and then also as a referral getter, like the published person versus the guy who's got something on the phone book or billboard or whatever. How do you do, how, what have you learned? Because, okay, you got a referral for Dr. Oz and you closed it. So you, obviously you know what the hell you're doing. How do you approach the referral process? Do you, because I've heard different schools of thought on when to ask for a referral. Do you ask? Do you follow up? Like what's, what's been a good successful practice for you over the decades? By far, always say what you're going to do to the client, to the current client, right? Like if, if you know, you could do a beautiful backyard but if their azalea dies and you're supposed to replace it, you replace that azalea. You don't replace that azalea, you're not getting any referral. And I don't really come out and say, I probably should do a better job of, hey, yeah, referral, referral, but you try to keep close contact with them. And then, because we, we still do work for pretty much all the clients that we've done in the past. They're always asking me for stuff. 
you have a painting, you have a plumber, you have an electrician, it's always, it's always something, right? So I guess they trust me enough to refer them to somebody, right? So, and then that's how it's really, that's how the business has been sustained for all these years. It's basically referral. I don't know if that's all good or all bad, but basically referral. I like that. I like that. And so for you, and I found in my own business, it was interesting. I've normally... Is it the ready? I can't remember the the phrase, but basically when you give them a win, when you deliver them a win, especially if you wow them and exceed expectations, that's a great time to ask for a referral. I've always struggled with that for a couple of reasons, but one was always like, I I almost felt like you were taking advantage of, okay, here's this win. Now, what are you going to do for me? It felt like a very transactional sort of thing. Recently, I was told another interesting time to actually bring up the idea of a referral is right when they're hired upon signing the contract and about to commence work because in terms of excitement anticipated like all the emotions are there and 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 it seems counterintuitive because you haven't actually delivered yet but people are incredibly apparently according to this study open to doing it even upon closing the contract but not actually having work commence yet uh, I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, I've it might even vary by industry, but I just I heard that like a week or two ago. So I like to put a little spin on that, right? So I, I say to them, well, well, as we're signing the contract, I says, this is what you're going to do for me, okay? If I land this job and I deliver on time, on budget, and I exceed your expectations, I expect at least three names. Like, I expect it, like, that's the give and take, right? It's not saying, oh, would you refer me to somebody? So I kind of set it up for beforehand where I expect the name. You tell them out in front. I'm going to deliver this thing. If I deliver on time, on budget, like I said I was going to do, I expect three names. And I know you got three names because all you guys hang together. And I've, at that point, I've developed enough rapport and they're joking around with where I can kind of get away with it. Well, I get this theme. I mean, you've mentioned this multiple times now, whether it's straight up like I'm honest, you've said that literally, but also just subliminally, you're you're communicating clearly right out of this gate. So there's no surprises. There's no, oh, gee, I wonder if Steve and his team are going to deliver or not. Are they going to charge me more? Are they going to charge me less? Like this transparency bringing to the table, I got to think is that the is a bedrock to the the fact that you're still going strong decades into this on a referral basis. I would think, I don't think of it that way, but I think just it just occurs naturally. Really, there's no planned, oh, let me do this and do that. It's just, it's just the way it's been. It's just, you know, um, there's, that's the only thing I can attribute it to. So straight, in the book you said was Straight Dirt, you can get it on Amazon? Straight Dirt, yeah. So we try to come up, you know, Straight dirt, we were trying to come up with a good title. Straight dirt means I'm going to tell you straight up like it is, right? So that's kind of like how that how that operates, right? And I, and I, you know, like just for anybody in business and any of your listeners, it's more like just do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. I don't know how else to build referrals. I mean, it's kind of simple, right? Well, I, I've, I mean, and you, and you would know better than me, but my, my limited, so I've been in business 10, I've had my practice, I've had other jobs, but I've had my practice now, been in the business 10 years, going on 10 years. 
And so far, I found that it's not the hard, the, the, the things that contribute most to my success are not complex. They're not difficult. They're super, super simple, straightforward stuff like you just said. Do what you say you're going to do. Is it always easy? No, it can be hard, difficult. You know, it's snowing, this happens, that happens, whatever the context of your business is. But at the end of the day, this isn't rocket science. It's just the follow through when it's not easy. That's what creates, and that's probably the standout factor for a lot of these businesses yours, mine, and others. Well, they're not, don't forget, we're dealing with people that have money that didn't didn't get to have money because being stupid. Like, they know they can sniff out the BS. If it's not going to be done on time for a certain reason, you need to tell them. Like, don't, don't, don't you know, I don't know what else to say. Like, they can take it. They're big, they're big boys, you know. They're, you know, they're, this is what it is. Nobody likes to hear to be, you know, hoodwinked right yeah so what's next you know as you you said you got snow on the roof i mean literally we in new york right now we have snow on the roof, snow on got, the roof. <laughs> gray hair. you got a little med- you got a little gray hair going for you there rocking that what's you know is this are you gonna die with your boots on you, you got other you got travel plans you like like what's the what's the I phase two here go with the boots on you know I, actually we're trying to expand more um nationally for sure i'm finding that yeah, we, we, we've done a project in Sacramento, which was cool. Massachusetts, Georgia, you know, I kind of like that aspect of it. Um, I, I like that because you can basically take the same principles and just rinse and repeat. Like kind of like what your podcast is, right? You just basically take the same core concepts, the same stuff, and just eat. The plants are different, the materials, are different, but it's still the same concept, you know? And then you can, you can basically find a team and put the same team in place by working with the same people. You know how the same mechanics work. You know how to, you know, mindset people and get them to do certain things that you want, see your vision. You can't come in there bossy and cocky. It's like some New Yorker. You have to be able to relate with the laborers. You got to bring the Dunkin' Donuts coffee if you're going to yell at them. Like you have to like, you know, there's a certain um, rapport that you have to develop with these guys because they're really the guys that do the work. I'm not doing the work anymore. Um, but I know how the work is done, which is super important, right? I'm not just some guy that came out of college that doesn't know how to, I know how to do the work so I can relate to the guys in 90 degree weather when they're digging their holes and they're mixing cement and all it's hard work. You know, if you've never done that type of work, you need to do it before you run a business. So you know what it's like, seriously, any business you gotta, you gotta get your hands there. I mean, it can't, it's a terrible relate because it's, it has nothing to do with, I have put in patios and small in my backyard. So I know, I know enough to know that as a way of life, that's just not where I want to be. I love, I tell you, man, the feeling you get when you step back and look at it, it's, there's nothing quite like it when you know, you you've done that equally especially with the seasons we get around here like i saw a guy they were fixing a gas station yesterday or they were doing the pumps under whatever tanks you know snowing and he's kneeling down in slop and and i just like you know it's it's 28 degrees i just think to myself you know he's i all i know is he's not making enough that's all i know right now is this it's just it's not nice to have enough. the option to like you know hey it'd be nice i'm gonna go build a patio in my yard right you know you, do it for the weekend warrior, you build it, you look great. But it is rewarding when you can see the finished product, right? But, but to do that every day, oh, 
man. No, it, it, well, you know, you know. All right, so final question here. Steve, you're talking to your younger self. I don't know. So I'm in my 30s. Let's say 30-year-old Steve, 32, 33-year-old like Steve. Man. Yeah, you know, that's me. So baby face. That's why I had to grow the beard. The thing about this, Steve, so I, I, so I'm 33 or I'm 32 right now. I, I started in, in the you know, financial planning business almost 10 years ago. It's going to be 10 years this year. So I was like 20s. So, you know, I grew this early on because I'm dealing with a bunch of old, you know, rich old people's money. And they're looking at me like, dude, have you graduated you college yet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I had to, I had to figure that out somehow. But anyways, you're talking to 30 something Steve here. What, what are you telling them? What are you, you telling them? Everything's going to be okay. Tell them don't stress out. Tell them to think this way, think that way. What would you go back and say to yourself? When I started out, there was no internet. There was no cell phones. It was just beepers. And like, I mean, you guys have it so easy now. So easy. I mean, you can Uber your food. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, if I knew, if I had this back then, I would, I could have speed this up, you know, by 30 years. I think it just compressed time, right? Where basically you can learn anything you want on the internet. You can come on podcasts. You can listen to podcasts like yours. You can just learn so much if you're willing to put the work in, right? And I'm still learning and working every day. Like, I'm not a retired guy and go to the golf range it's just not my thing i'm you know it's just not my thing um so that um, and to tell myself i would try to learn as much as you can listen to podcasts like this and try to get your head right and your mindset right and and, and you know just you know take it over take it into you you can do whatever you want basically nowadays right um and try not to do everything yourself try to leverage what you can and learn how to delegate more instead of trying to say, oh, I can do this quicker. That's still a struggle today. Still is. I still struggle with it today. I get super frustrated, very easy, um, trying to get people to do certain things. And, you know, you have engineers and social media people. And, I mean, it becomes, you know, it's not my thing. You know, but I try to hold myself back and try to teach them as opposed to just doing it myself. That's good. I had to learn that one early on. Paperwork, you know, doing all my own paperwork. First of all, I couldn't, I was at a point where I couldn't afford to pay the staff to do it. So I just did my own paperwork and eventually made enough where it's like, okay, I'm going to have to take a hit, but how much more time I'm going to have and delegate and trust that they know it enough to do it. And that was, I mean, like you said, it's still a lesson I'll learn. I'll just, my default is just to go and do it because it's easier, quicker. I don't have to tell someone to do it. They're not going to screw it up. I can control. But, then it actually ends up being it impedes growth because then I'm instead of doing the things that could grow leverage and level up I'm doing the stuff that someone else should be doing at this point not in a demeaning way it's just that there's so, so much time in a day so much time in a day and I you know I think everybody should at least get one right hand person I have Daniela who's been with me three years now who's, who's actually um, remote right she's remote I've had her for three years I mean we've become very close yeah it's kind of weird yeah it's kind of weird but she, I mean, it's a different world, like, you know, um, so, so, so I run everything by her. She kind of handles the whole back end of it, which kind of helps me a little bit. I try to get that, uh, clients to talk to her first before I run out there. Like, I mean, it's crazy. You got to pull yourself back, you know, book appointments with her first before they get to me. Don't make myself so accessible because you're right. You get spread so thin, so thin. I'm running around all over the place. It's not good. If I had to do this again, I would try to compartmentalize those different areas and, and try to, you know, learn to delegate and leverage a little more. Um, that's a big takeaway I can give you right now for any of your listeners. Like, just, you know, man, 
you just see so much stuff on the internet and how easy it is. It's not easy. It's not. I don't know. Unless, I miss, unless I'm missing something. Am I jealous? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I can see a guy with YouTube videos and he's making like 300 grand a year. It's kind of good and bad because a lot of these guys don't know what hard work actually is. They don't. It's a different kind of work, but man, nothing like digging a hole in 90 degree weather. Try it sometime. Yeah, yeah, you'll feel real good about the YouTube channel. It's funny. It's it's stupid because it's, it's it's this paradox. I haven't figured it out. I don't, I don't know how. I don't think anyone ever will. But in one sense, it's not as easy as people say it is, right? You go on there, and it's like, oh, do these things, and then you'll make a hundred grand uh, a month or something like that. And you're just like, I don't think it's that easy, and I don't think it was that easy for you too. And on the flip side, it's like you got to acknowledge, like you said, we're not dealing in you know Jerry Seinfeld era pagers and and you know yellow pages and all this stuff that that now like i you know i can grab this and i can message all of my followers like you would have you know i sent a fax to you know all, <laughs> you know or page them like the amount of reach so it is easier yet there's a whole nother set of i think challenges that and i think maybe they're more internal more mindset based i don't know it's a weird weird phenomenon well, well don't forget now don't forget you know i have i have two sons 25 and um you know 20 let's say 25 and 20. I mean, they grew up with this stuff. You know, I see them on the phones. It's like, what are you like? It's like, it's, it's like, you gotta be kidding me, man. It's crazy. They call the Uber. The, yeah, it's just a different, don't forget, I didn't go up there, but I think it's super important. You're never too old to learn. Never. I don't, I, I don't, I don't buy that. I don't, I don't, you know, indulge that or whatever, but like, don't tell me, oh, I'm an old guy. I can't learn that. It's bull crap. Cause you can basically just type it in Google and learn anything. I type, I Google, I Google everything. I fix my own washing machine. I just Google it. You know what I'm saying? Like you could, this is just a bad excuse for like, oh, I'm too old. I can't figure that out. I agree. Yeah. Can't teach an old dog new tricks. And not with Google, you can. Yeah, you absolutely can. It's just, you don't want to because <laughs> it's easier not to, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Steve, this has been great. This is fun. This is to just to dig into what you've accomplished, what you are accomplishing. I love the fact that you're going out of state here and, and nationally and getting different reach and kind of replicating yourself. And so I straight dirt is the book. Get it on Amazon. I'll be sure to include the, the link in the notes here. I know I'll grab a copy. My wife loves design and that it'll be uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Put it in. Um, it's, I can also, I can have it. It's available digitally too, man. I'll, I'll send it to you. Can send it to whoever wants that. Like, one of your your listeners. That's you know. Yeah, I like to give away something. Too, oh yeah, you know, oh, appreciate people that, that. People that listen. In, yeah. Fantastic. Um, What's a good place? Where's the one to the go to place? So we want to check out what you're doing. Come on, it's it's 2024. Everybody talking about the Instagram. The Instagram, <laughs> okay. It's in the, the gram, as they the gram. call it, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> at Steve, at Steve Griggs okay. Design. At Steve. That's a whole nother. That's a whole nother thing that we're really trying to like. You know, another learning curve is like you know you got to be seen. You got to be out there. That's one thing I learned from Grant. You got to be omnipresent. You got to get out there. If they can't, if they don't know you, they can't get from you. I mean, you know, getting in front of the camera is not easy. Just do it, um, but it's there. It's free. You, you know, you you got to do it. It's twenty twenty four. For an old guy like me, if I can get, I can't believe they're calling me an old guy. I still feel like eighteen, but it's cool. Nah, you're young at um, heart. It's just, uh, yeah, yeah, man. The, yeah. The, you got a few years on the rapper, but inside you're just as uh, just as young as ever. And I would argue because I've met you know other people who, especially, I feel like I don't know my entrepreneurs 
but also those who work a lot with their hands. There's just a youthful, there seems to be a youthful spirit connected with like literally I could, I could name off half a dozen people that are probably fifties, maybe sixties entrepreneurs creatives in their own right whether it's landscaping construction whatever and i feel they really i feel like some days they can run circles around me right it's just they're just young at heart and i don't know i i hope i i hope that i, I unlock the secret to whatever that is by that time because i find it really inspiring it's, very, it's it's very simple like that young i still go in the field sometime and pick up a shovel and, and show i don't last as long as they do but you know but i still have it because I think it's important that the guys see it and they because they give you the respect, right? Like they can give you the respect that, oh, wow, this guy knows what he's doing. He can actually still do dig a hole or whatever he has to do just to set the tone and set the example. That's really, you know, I think that's super important in any business that don't just come in there and boss people around. You know, those are for the people that are trying to grow businesses and all. You, they want to see that you can do the work. You don't have to do it every day, but... You know, they want to know that you're not just some guy that's just going to come here and bark orders all day because they will, they will not respect you and they will not work for you and they will not go to bat for you. And plus, you get to prove to yourself you still got it. I tell that to my wife, man. She said, what happened? You had to jump in the hole today? Because I come home, buddy. But yeah, I, 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 I still got it, babes. <laughs> I, I, tell that to I still got it. I still got yeah, it. yeah, yeah. They got these young guys. Top, ain't got top nothing three odds, beautiful later, and I'm good, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's that aspect of it, but you yeah, know, appreciate it, man. I love it, Steve. Thanks for coming on, man. This is great, you folks. You can find him at Steve Griggs Design on Instagram. You got Straight Dirt, the book on Amazon as well. We'll put it in the show notes, and uh, yeah, hey, we're in the same state at least. Let's run into each other sometime. Nice, John. Thank you.